Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. And prompted me to reflect more deeply on the process of forgiveness. I know from discussions at snack time that day a couple weeks ago that I was not the only one so stirred. So I took that as a call to try to say a little bit more about forgiveness in the time allotted me today. I do this so knowing this is a minefield for many of us, including me. So I ask your grace. What rose first for me that day in the silence after Reuben's message was this verse from the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's the, in the version that's used in the Catholic liturgy of my youth. I now understand that as a profound verse, but as a child, it made little sense to me. Trespassing meant cutting across the neighbor's yard without permission, which was no big deal. A more accurate translation of Matthew's verse, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, which is the version that you've got in the Bible in front of you, still feels superficial, not particularly profound. Indeed, the parable in Matthew that Ruba read that follows the verse I just read is about monetary debts, not about deeper wounds. Like many of you, I expect, when I got in a fight as a child, I was forced to stand facing my opponent while each of us said, I'm sorry, and then I forgive you. The adult present might have added, say it like you mean it, <laughs> which neither of us did. We were just going through a ritual to avoid punishment and to get back to doing what we had been doing, just as it occurs to me like the sacrament of confession. This was the Catholic way of my youth. Real forgiveness isn't learned very well that way. Perhaps the biggest barrier, though, is that it can be unsafe to feel deeply or to admit vulnerability. Big boys don't cry. They reply, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And with practice, they come to believe it. In this setting, it's really difficult to articulate the thought, I have been hurt by that person. And if a person does not admit injury, then there's no need for apology. Think about it. The very essence of forgiveness 
is acknowledging that the pain of another person is real and deep. But for that to happen, one must first be able to feel within oneself pain that is real and deep. In other words, empathy for the pain of another requires first connecting with one's own pain. Without this empathy, we are likely to inflict wounds on other people. At some point, it's not just a trespass or a debt, like borrowing money you can't pay back, as in the parable in Matthew, but a real and deep wound, one that can irreparably alter the course of another's person's life or even end it. This may sound extreme, but such ex instances are commonplace. Teasing in school or on social media escalates to a point where permanent psychological harm is done, or worse. Checking a text message causes a driver to hit a bicyclist. Resentment over common marital grievances leads to an affair. A parenting decision, even one made with the very best of intentions, results in traumatic injury to a child. We all know these stories, and I suspect most of us have stories like these in our own lives. I know I do. I think one of the most difficult thoughts to allow into one's inmost being is, I made choices that really hurt you. I harmed you in a way from which you might not fully recover. We often instinctively reach for an excuse. I didn't mean it, or you provoked me. To prevent this thought from taking deep root. But at some level, if we have any capacity for empathy at all, we know the truth. Facing the thought that we have inflicted lasting pain on another person can be unbearable. To accept the full impact of this truth without enormous self-loathing, we need the possibility of forgiveness. And often forgiveness is simply not available from the one whom we have injured. Whether because they are no longer alive or no longer a part of our lives, or simply because they're not willing or ready to offer it. In my life, and in the lives of many others I have known, this is where God comes in, or at least one of the places. As John says in his first letter, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. Now, many of us have already heard more than enough sin talk for one lifetime. But bear with me for a minute. The word in Greek most commonly translated into English as sin is hamartia. I may not be pronouncing it, but that's how it's spelled. It literally means to miss the mark. It was popularized by Aristotle with regard to dramatic tragedies. 
and it could apply, apply equally to errors resulting from ignorance, errors in judgment, character flaws, or the more traditional Christian understanding of sin. The common theme is that hamartia leads to bad outcomes for all involved. And when we injure others on whatever basis, we feel the need for forgiveness. So what I interpret John saying is this. If we claim to never cause harm to others, we're kidding ourselves. But if we accept that we do, God will offer us full forgiveness. God's unconditional love for us includes an unlimited capacity to forgive us while still not condoning our behavior or relieving us of the obligation to acknowledge and to change. We can own up to our mistakes knowing that doing so does not threaten God's love for us, but only deepens it. We have an option that is neither denial nor self-loathing, namely living in truth and in a healing relationship with God. To me, this transaction with God is what must come first. As it opens up within us the capacity to ask for forgiveness from our fellow humans and to forgive them as well. With the knowledge that God's love for us is secure, we can honestly acknowledge to another person the harm we have caused them and we can ask for forgiveness. Even if that person is unable to forgive, we have done what God asks. Offering forgiveness to another person can sometimes be even more difficult. But I still find guidance here. God's model for forgiveness expressed by John requires honest acknowledgement of harm or confession of sin, if you will. I don't see Jesus saying that we are not to request acknowledgement from one who has harmed us, much less that we are to subject ourselves to ongoing harm from a person who refuses to change. I do see Jesus asking us to try to offer forgiveness to one who acknowledges and seeks to correct their harmful behavior. I say try to offer forgiveness because I think Jesus understands our own human limitation and knows that forgiveness can take time. And when Jesus asks us to forgive 70 times seven times in spite of continued infractions, I think it was, is with an understanding of the human limitations of the other the need for the other to own up and correct their harmful behavior remains. But making lasting change also can take time. What I see Jesus as clearly condemning is a hardness of heart that refuses to grant others that which we ask for ourselves. That we not judge, lest we not also be judged. But seriously, 70 times 7? 
Well, how many times do I need to ask God and others to forgive my wrongs? Much as I try, the truth is I still hurt others. And deep change comes slowly to me as well. I want there to be no limit to the number of times I can ask for forgiveness. And Jesus tells us that indeed there should be no limit as long as I seek to follow his model. So I've reformulated some of these biblical passages to go something like this. Dear God, grant me forgiveness for the wounds I have caused others. And grant me the strength to acknowledge these wounds to them, to ask for their forgiveness, and to make changes within myself so I do not keep wounding them in this way. Help me to accept that they may not be able to offer forgiveness, knowing that your forgiveness is not dependent on theirs. And help me to offer others the same forgiveness that I seek for myself, one that is modeled on the forgiveness that you grant me. Queries I wrote. Are there places where I feel blocked in offering forgiveness? Are there ways I can release this burden, either with the one who has wounded me or with God? And similarly, are there places where I feel blocked in asking for forgiveness? Are there ways I can release this burden, either with the one whom I have wounded or with God? 